It's time for the WCW Monday Nitro main event of the evening. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective, play. We ain't here to play. But it's Donald Trump hangs on to the top of the Trump Plaza with his family under his other arm as they sink to the bottom of the sea. Thank God Donald Trump's a Hulkamaniac. I'm here to take a good, long look at this crap I'm in. Oh, my new name is Seven, by the way, so... They've dressed me up like Uncle Fester. And I don't mind telling you, I was wearing these $600 custom-made lizard shoes and this $13,000 Rolex. Um, it's good to have you, Nikita. It's just uh, incredible because... You know, we've got to start here because we all miss sports so much. I know you're a huge Minnesota Vikings fan. We're here in Kansas City, and we we're so, we may be celebrating the Super Bowl longer than we thought. We may be celebrating it on into eternity. <laughs> Apparently. Well, I will say this. Uh, I like your quarterback that much more now when I found out his dad played for the Minnesota Twins. Just F- yeah. He did. Pat Mahomes, Mahomes. Was, a, was a twin. Yeah, he was a twin. But, I mean, you, you got you, – I don't know. The Vikings have a solid roster. You trade away Stephon Diggs. Kirk Cousins is the answer going forward. So, we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. The Vikings have always been kind of on the cusp, you know, for uh, – I know. They're like – Yeah. Yeah. Like one player away from making – but, yeah. No, you're good. That's good. That's good. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. Our first one in 50 years, you know, we'll, we'll have to take that on into – but, you know, what's always been so interesting to me about your career, because, you know, you're from Minneapolis, obviously, but the, the crop of talent that, that came from the Minneapolis area uh, at that time, the Road Warriors, uh, Kurt Henning, Jesse Ventura, Ric Flair, Iron Sheik, and Barry Darso, your future running mate. What was it about that time and place? Minneapolis produced so much wrestling talent just because Vern Gagne in the area? Like what? I, I don't think Vern had really anything to do with it. It's just uh, uh, you left. You left. A, uh, let me throw a few more names into the pot. There, Z-Man, Tom Zink, yep. the Berserker, uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, I mean, the, the the interesting thing is, not only was it a mecca for professional wrestling. I mean, it was a mecca for sports in general. One of our friends from high school opened a gym called The Gym, and we had everything from professional wrestlers to, to world-class power lifters, world record holders, bodybuilders, Mr. Minnesota, Mr. Mr. World. I mean, it was a mecca of athletes in general. But that said, just out of Robbinsdale High School, just out of the one high school, uh, we were all together in school at one time, uh, Ravishing Rick Rue, Kurt Henning, Tom Zink, Nikita Koloff, John Nord, Barry Darso, and the lesser known was Brady Boone. But but it, all of us were in school at one point all together, and uh, and and some of us on the same football team one year. So yeah, pretty crazy to think. Of. And little other side note there, 
two other graduates of Robinsdale High School, uh, of course, prior to us, um, Vern Gagne and Mean Gene Okerlund were graduates of Robinsdale yep. High School as well. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, Wayne Bloom, Mike Enos. I mean, there's so many. Uh, uh, the powerless, Scott Norton. I mean, gosh, the list just keeps going. Well, not only that, you had uh, Kurt Angle and uh, Shelton Benjamin come out of the University of Minnesota uh, in, in, in more recent times. So there has definitely always been kind of a lineage there. I mean, did it create kind of a professional rivalry? I mean, you guys all wind up in the, most of you in the NWA at the same time. I mean, the, the legendary matches with the Road Warriors, um, the things you did with uh, Barry Darso being kind of your running mate uh, there, Crusher Khrushchev. What, uh, was there some creative, was there kind of a rivalry going on there? Like, I know you guys probably all played football against each other, but, you know, it's just kind of a, had to be kind of a crazy thing. Well, I mean, uh, again, Henning, Rude, myself, and Nord, the five of us who all played on the same football right. team in high school. Now, That's insane. Now, Kurt and I, yeah, it really is. Now, Kurt and I actually, uh, our freshman year in college, our teams played against each other in the state, uh, the state championship, uh, uh, and 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 he blew out a knee, which is what led him into wrestling. That ended his his football career. Was he blew out a knee in in college and and headed into wrestling. But um, but like like Animal, for example, you know he went to a school called Irondale. Well, I ended up recruiting animal out of irondale to come play college ball with me and then i guess turn about his fair play uh, years uh, a few years later he makes the phone call to recruit me out of football to come into wrestling so kind of a interesting little side note there yeah that's right because you were um, on the verge of trying out for the usfl at the time and so when this happens how does it become that uh, you're going to be this killer Russian character? I mean, you, uh, Jim Crockett, I guess, kind of gave you the name and stuff like that. But to come in, there the really hadn't, you know, you had Ivan Koloff, of course, uh, the Russian bear. But this look and everything about the character, how did that kind of come to be? Yeah, just uh, really, really just timing, right? You know, the old expression, timing is everything, and you recognize the time. Um and, you know, Animal called me one morning and, and it actually Don Cardotto, who was Ivan's tag team partner, they were the world tag team champions at the time. And Sergeant Slaughter actually came up with the original idea of a nephew for Ivan and laid out a whole, probably a whole two year storyline presented to Jim Crockett. And they said, yeah, I'm interested if you can find the guy. And so Don Cardotto approaches animal and he simply asked this question hey do you know any big guys who wouldn't mind shaving their head and becoming a russian <laughs> and, and animal goes yeah as a matter of fact i know the guy right now you know so he called me i called you know he gave me jerry he told me the story i go do they know i have no amateur background no professional training like whatever like I hadn't even hit a ring rope and he said i told them they said they didn't care you know it was at a time they were looking for some new talent and so I called Jim Crockett, had a literally a five minute conversation sight unseen. Those weren't the days of cell phone selfies and sending right. a picture through your phone. And I had a five minute conversation, made sure he understood that. And then I just walked into the his office the day he said to be there, about two months later, introduced myself and Nikita Koloff's born in the hallways of Charlotte, North Carolina that day. 
Well, the territory is super hot at this time. Jim Crockett Promotions there in the Mid-Atlantic area, and you immediately get into some some huge feuds. And, I mean, you come in like, well, and obviously your uncle, Ivan Koloff, who, uh, of course, has since passed away. Um, how how important was it? I mean, did you, did you guys kind of travel together? And what? how important was that kind of as far as learning the, ro- learning the wrestling business kind of on the fly with him? Yeah, it was trial by fire. And, and yeah. actually, just a little clarification, that summer of 84 that I came in, uh, actually the territory was, was not on fire at that point. Summers are always kind of a little bit slower anyway in the mid-Atlantic, but, but that's why they were looking for a, some infusion, some new talent, some things to spark a fire. And, and cause there were plenty of nights I wrestled in front of 50 people, you know, um, in, in an auditorium. But that said, it, it was trial by fire. Cause I, I, you know, I'm born in the hallways that day. They put me right in the interview set with Ivan and Don, shirt off, don't talk, you don't speak no English. And then we finished those hours of interviews. They said, be in Raleigh tomorrow night, North Carolina. You're going to wrestle at the Dorton Arena on television, having never been in a ring. As the nephew of legendary, the Russian bear, Ivan Kolov. So we have the match, uh, you know, short. 11 second match. I get my first win in professional wrestling. And then for the next two or three months to Don and Ivan's credit, we would get to the towns early, two, three hours early. They would bump all over the ring and teach me the mechanics of wrestling. And then I'd sit in their corner. Uh, Ivan would sit in my corner and then I, you know, I'd watch their match. Ivan would watch my match. And on the way home, we would then talk about the what, what is no longer there, but the old school psychology of wrestling. And that's how I learned uh, those first, uh, you know, two, three months. And fortunately, uh, I was a good student, I guess you'd say, and, and adapted rather quickly. Well, absolutely. And when I think of the territory being hot, I think about like, I guess more, you debuted in 84. I'm thinking more like 85, you know, you think about Starcade yep. 85, you guys um, in, yep. in, a, in a major role there, 86, you're wrestling Ric Flair. But so talk about the tag team division at the time, because not only do you have the Russians, uh, you've got the Rock and Roll Express. And I think it was uh, Tully Blanchard that coined the phrase, if you want to start a riot in the South in 1985, beat up Robert and Ricky. And you guys did a lot of that. So what how what was the heat like at that time for, for the Russians? Um, of course, this is like right post Rocky Four, So it's <laughs> Cold War time, of course, too. And then these tremendous tag teams that the NWA had at that time just to talk about kind of running around with some of those guys. Yeah. Like Ivan and I took the belts off of like we just did recently last month posted uh, whatever day it was uh, in March that, that Ivan and I beat uh, Dusty Rhodes and, and the Raging Bull Manny Fernandez for the tag team belts. Um, and then they brought Ricky and Robert into, into the territory and, and, and so again, trying to spark, something uh you know they actually the rock and roll actually in a, a, a little show i think it, i think it's spartanburg south carolina or uh, won the belts but then we we, we quickly won, won them back because we obviously we wanted to try to get get them over uh for for those fans to fall in love with them and then of course that led to the to the big match at starcade where where they where they won them back but um uh some great teams. I mean, you know, back in the day, uh, Mark and Jay Youngblood and, and I mean, Ricky Steamboat was always partnered with some good guys and, 
and uh, eventually it would be Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez. The Raging Bull would do some some tag teaming together. Of course, the Midnight Express, right with yep. with uh, with Jim Cornette, and and so yeah, we had some some really great talent, just overall talent here. Not to mention tag teams only, but just great overall talent. Uh, a stable of wrestlers that we began to compile over those, the, the, that, that heyday of there, which is almost 85, 86, 87, 80, you know, 88 in, into that era. Yep. Well, absolutely. And in, in 1986, uh, you start a feud with Ric Flair and a uh, very famous, of course, I just watched the match from Starcade 86, which was the Skywalkers uh, event and, and uh, that ending in a, a double disqualification. But you, Talk about the challenge of that because you were kind of turned babyface for this. Was there a challenge being a, a Russian character turning babyface against Ric Flair, the best heel maybe ever known, and yet he can cut these really cool over-the-top promos, and you're limited in, in kind of what you can say to him? Was what was the challenge and the build-up to to that title match? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna back you up uh, by a year um, uh, because. I break into the business June 1984. Mm -hmm. They build me into this monster Russian machine. And that leads to the very first ever Great American Bash in July of, of, of 85. And I am billed in the main event against Rick. I'm, of course, I'm the heel. He's the baby face at that point. Um, and so that was my first introduction to, to Rick. And, and that's only, keep in mind, that's only 13 months after the day I walked into the office in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm already the world tag team champion, world six man tag champion. Now I'm wrestling for the world heavyweight belt against the nature boy who I've said over and over and over again, you know, Rick was a consummate professional could make the broomstick look good. Cause he made me look good that night. Um, but, uh, so that actually, that actually kicked off this long-standing feud uh, with him and I that then led into Starcade 86, but now flipped, right? Now I'm, I'm, I'm a, the good guy, the baby face. He's, he's the heel and, and all that to say, it was different. In fact, when Dusty and Jimmy first uh, approached me about uh, turning baby, you know, turning baby face, I, you know, I, I was hesitant and, because we'll back up one other little backstory. You asked what was it like in those in those days of being the Russian Cold War. Mm -hmm. I had six different matches, six different matches where fans jumped the barricade, tried to climb in the ring. One actually, in fact, at that American Bash in '85, you watch the old film, you'll see a, a, a fan actually pin me against the ropes so momentarily. Um, that was the first one. Six times, five against Flair as a heel. They came out, fans came after me. One time against Magnum TA uh, up near his hometown in Virginia. Um, and so to flip and go the other side, you know, I thought, well, Dusty Rhodes, Jimmy Crockett have a lot more experience at this than me. If they think it's going to fly, then why not? And so, of course, you know, history is, it proved itself to, to be a good move in the sense of, the sellout business that Dusty and I as the superpowers did for the next two years. And then all the matches of the superpowers and the four horsemen against, well, superpowers and road warriors against the four horsemen. I mean, yeah, of any combination two, one, two, three, or four. I mean, we did business everywhere we went. 
It was incredible. Well, and that that was like the original um, match beyond the original war games that were at the, the Great American Correct. Bash. I mean, you were involved in in that whole tour in '87, and then again in '92, another war games match. Correct. Those matches were brutal. What was it? I mean, what was it like being a part of those? You were uh, a baby face, I believe, in both of them. But uh, you were on Sting's team in '92, but with uh, with Dusty and the Road Warriors in those first ones. I mean, those were some brutal. Brutal confrontations there, and the heels always win the coin toss. Of course, <laughs> imagine that. How did that? How did they always win the coin toss? I never figured I, that one out. I, I keep betting against <laughs> that, and I keep losing. I know I keep betting against that, and I keep losing. So. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're, again, we're due. <laughs> again, just, just great psychology that that's no longer there, but involved uh, in the business, but. Just a tremendous psychology, and and to Dusty Rhodes' credit, the American Dream, you know, ingenious of not only the War Games but even the Best of Seven against Magnum TA and many others I was involved in, but you know, Great American Bash and otherwise. But to answer your question, the they the very first one is creates the most memory for me uh, because of, of just I still recall how electrifying it was uh, there in the. Uh, in the arena that night and just the anticipation, especially uh, with them having won the toy cost, you know, always having the two on one advantage or three on two or four on three. So it just heightened the atmosphere and, and the, uh, the eventual outcome and the uncertainty of it all. And having never seen anything like that prior, that first one is by far the most memorable, but all of them, were uh, were highly competitive and and very I feel entertaining and fun to be a part of. Well, you know it's funny you talked about uh, fans coming over the barricade, rushing into the ring. I mean we don't condone that, of course, for 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 any match any at any point. But I'm trying to think of a wrestler that I would least have wanted to do that to, and it might have been you. I can't imagine the, the guy <laughs> Gusto. I, I mean, look, it's one thing if it's Sam Houston or somebody, but like Nikita Koloff, Russian nightmare. Like I'm not getting in that ring at all. I can't believe. Hopefully you think you gave him a, you uh, stretched him a little bit or something. <laughs> well, well, I, you know, for the record, I, I'm pretty confident. In fact, I know for certain the one that came after me when I was in the ring with Magnum had a few bottles of courage under his belt. So, uh, that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pretty confident they weren't in their 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 actual state of mind when they considered coming after me. But for the record, you talk about Magnum. Uh, you had some great uh, a great feud with him over the United States title. But uh, of course, that spot we talked about in Starcade '86 was supposed to be Magnum uh, taking on Ric Flair and uh, going over as the new champion. Um, just kind of what were your thoughts on, on Terry Allen? It seemed everybody talks like such a great guy, a tremendous in ring in ring talent and. So unfortunate that his career got cut short there, although it did, you know, provided you that opportunity there at Starcade. Yeah, yeah, it is, of course, uh, of course, unfortunate for sure um, for that to happen. I mean, we're still friends to, to this day. We still travel. We do some things. We'll do some road stories together from time to time and some ministry together from time to time as well. But um, um, it, it's certainly uh, certainly a tragedy and and. and but, you know, we turned tragedy into triumph and that by that meaning, you know, it opening the door of opportunity to, for me to become Dusty's partner and, and have that that run as as a baby face. Um, but that's probably the best of seven is probably the most talked about 
uh, of all the fans when I'm out doing legends, autograph signings, etc., uh, is the uh, is the best of seven series. Yeah, it certainly is, and it's for me. Um, it, uh, my indoctrination to you really, cause I, I'm 36 years old. So I came up in the late eighties, early nineties, when you were just coming back to WCW, uh, feuding with sting and, and Lex Luger and those, uh, I remember watching great American bash 91 and being just so horrified that you would beat sting in a Russian chain match. Uh, like I, <laughs> you guys had a great yeah. feud though, Luger and sting. And I think you've gone on record before saying you and sting are the only two people that actually liked Lex Luger. Although I heard t- here today that he's uh, also become a Christian and he's a much, uh, you know, much different person today as well. So uh, glad to hear well, that. From Black. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and uh, it, uh, another uh, interview just recently, we, and we, you know, that comes up. We talk about that. Yeah, it, it is. All right. I do kind of have jokingly tongue in cheek saying, yeah, I'm one of the few guys who actually did like Lex back in those days for sure. But anybody who knew him then, for the record, and who would be around him now, um, I, in my heart of hearts, has to walk away going, he is not the same guy. And as I told on a previous interview, uh, one of the other interviews, that what, what led to that, that transformation was April 23rd, 2006, when a jail chaplain, yes, led him to the Lord, and, and uh, he surrendered his life. And that he is just evidence evidence of a genuinely changed life that's that's the difference between who he was then and who he is now well the same could be said for uh sean michaels ted dibiase yourself how how did how did you wind up finding the lord and at what point in your life it was after after wrestling i didn't you know i didn't grow up in moscow as everyone's figured out i didn't grow up (laughs) in church either (laughs) but uh um but i you know, like I said, I knew the stories. I mean, you know, right, we're getting ready to have Easter here soon. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people will be celebrating the, 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 the resurrection of Jesus over Easter, right? And so um, I knew the stories. I knew that story, you know, crucified on a cross and, you know, spikes driven through his hands and feet and a spear through his side. I knew, but I just knew it, I would say intellectually, I knew it in my head but that didn't impact my life. And it wasn't until 11 months after I left wrestling, 17 October, 1993, that through meeting a a Christian couple through business ventures outside of wrestling who had invited me to their church. And I showed showed up one day, I said, Hey, I'll be there Sunday. And they met me there. And it was the day that, and it was an interesting time period of my life because I left wrestling. I'm pondering the future wondering what the future holds. And my conclusion was this, I was successful having had this, you know, wrestling career. So I was successful, but I was unfulfilled. I could just sense, you know, I'm at the top of the world as a world champion going, is this it? Is this all there is? And, and all that to say, uh, on that day of 17 October, 1993, when I went to the altar and got on my knees and, and gave my life to Jesus, that, that I went for, I could truthfully say, uh, there was just an awesome, this I flooded with a sense of fulfillment on that day. And if I had died that day, I would have died a fulfilled man. And I think what's happened with a lot of the, some of these other guys, I know by their own testimony, Sting and others, that you can have everything there is to offer in, in the world. Uh, all, as Lex says, all the baubles, the bling bling and the, and the ching ching. Um, 
but man, you know, it's still at the end of the day for many of these guys realized they were, they were still empty inside. And the only thing that filled that void was surrendering their, their life to Jesus. And that it's not just wrestlers, people, just people in general. Right. But that's yeah. how, that's what led me to the altar for, for my transformation. Well, that's a wonderfully said, and especially in trying times like this, I mean, you, um, th- this impacts everybody, of course, but you know, people like you that, uh, like you said, you kind of do a lot of the legend stuff. Um, that kind of stuff gets put on hold. I mean, this affects everyone so many different ways, but it, all, mm-hmm. all the, the wrestling business, especially, I mean, WrestleMania is going to be in a, in an empty, uh, performance center. I mean, this is just cr- very strange times we're living in and all I guess we could say is yep. we just got to get, get through it together. Right. Yeah. Just weather the storm, you know, uh, you know, I've been posting some things trying to help, help as best I can keep people positive on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, and for those who might want to follow me, just look for the key to call off with the number one behind it. That's, that's the real me on Instagram, Twitter, and, and, and F- Facebook. If you want to find me on Facebook, look for a picture. I'm standing in a river and who's in the photo with me is the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase and a friend of ours, Jason Sanderson. We're actually in the Jordan river in, in Israel baptizing each other. Wow. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's the real me on Facebook. They find that picture. But, um, that said, uh, yeah, I've tried to just post some very positive things. And, and, and I did a, I do a video kind of once a week, more or less now. And, I, and then the other day I said, you know, look, you know, this, this too shall pass. I mean, it's, and if you pull back and take the drone look of it, in other words, hover over the earth with your drone, and just look at, try to look at the bigger picture. You know, we look back, this will be a blimp on the radar. And as much as it's challenging and difficult for all of us right now, uh, eventually this too shall pass. And, and hopefully we'll all be better because of it. We'll all have a better perspective on life, the value of life, and, and really appreciate uh, life itself, as well as family, friends, and and others moving forward from all this. Well, I appreciate your your kind words during all this. It's a uh, very welcome, especially from people that uh, you know a lot of us grew up admiring and, and watching, and that certainly is the case. And um, there's so much more we could talk about. I mean, I, I've been such a student of the game for so long, and your career sort of uh, emulates and and goes right along with my time watching uh, the business. But um, last kind of thing here as we as we wrap it up. Um, You've never had a, a WWE run, of course. Many fans feel like that uh, you should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. I mean, you think about like the Freebirds are in there, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, and and you know none of them had WWE runs either. What what is your thoughts on that? And do you think that uh, that might be something on the in the future for you? Uh, my thoughts are, I, I would love to see Uncle Ivan in in the, the WWE Hall of Fame long before I was ever considered or, or if I never got in there. Uh, I think he, he earned it with the, the length of his career, the, his commitment to the wrestling business, his defeat of legendary Bruno Sammartino in the, in the legendary Madison Square Garden that caused, almost caused a riot um, that, that if anybody deserved uh, of, of being in there, uh, that it would be Ivan and you know, and I, I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, the, the Dan Gable Wrestling Museum and uh, up in Waterloo, Iowa, I was inducted into that Hall of Fame, uh, I think 2000, 
96, I believe, in the NWA Hall of Fame 2008. Um, so that would be my response to that question. Uh, yeah. Put Ivan Koloff in there, and if I never get in there, uh, I'm good with that too. Well, thanks so much for coming on and doing this with us uh, today. It's been a, it's a true pleasure. Definitely look forward to continuing to follow you on social medias and just looking for that much needed, uh, you know, positive words and distraction. Nikita, and we'll definitely catch up soon. And good luck to your Vikings going forward. I'm gonna get, we're gonna get you a Super Bowl <laughs> one of these days. I promise. Hey, hey, for the record, two two things real quick for the record. Yep. I was cheer, I was cheering your Chiefs just for the record because I, Thank I you. like Andy Reid. I was cheering your Chiefs, and uh, and also if people want to follow, you know, they. Dial in to go on koloff.org if you want to follow yes. me on on uh, on my website. So Koloff, yes. you read more of my whole story on there. So appreciate great it. Great bio, koloff.org, and it's got uh, whenever we return to normalcy uh, information about uh, your dates and appearances, of course, on there koloff.org. So thank you so much. We'll definitely be in in contact, and uh, we can't appreciate it enough. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. God bless everybody out there. Stay God safe bless. And healthy. You bet. Yeah.